It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Tad and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Quainton. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is Justin coming at you from Los Angeles. And we have my brother, Mike, over in London. What's up, dude? Yo, what is good? Nothing. Nothing. Good week ahead as usual. Um, We got to start with we had something awesome happen this week. So obviously we always ask you guys to send us emails, messages, you know, we want to hear your top five lists, hear feedback. And we got such an incredible email this week from our new friend, Kelsey from Australia. And she was commenting on the Nicole Kidman episode, the top five Nicole Kidman films. She had gone on like a deep dive herself of all of her movies and just came across the podcast, enjoyed it. And it really warmed our hearts. And uh, we want to give her a shout out. Shout out, Kelsey. And also, interesting tidbit. She uh, she loved birth, which if you guys listen to this episode, Mike hated. So I'm going to have to come in and, and give the verdict now on if this thing's good or bad. Yeah, everybody give give birth a chance, I guess. <laughs> and let's decide. But I'm, I'm still very <laughs> oh. But anyway, yeah, big shout out, Kelsey. Yeah, big shout out. Anyways, let's get into our spotlight this week, which came out very recently on Amazon Prime here. Amazon Prime as well in the UK, Mike? Yep, 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 yep. Is the long-awaited sequel coming to America, although instead of T.O. this time, it's a two. It's the it's the number two because it's a sequel. How genius. Um <laughs> So, yeah, the OG came out in 1988, so it's been, wow, I mean, it has been a long, long time. It has been 33 years, 33 years since the original, and here we are, Eddie Murphy back in the in the lead role. You know, there's also Arsenio Hall. We've got Sherry Headley from the original, James Earl Jones, the one and only. Our main man, Mufasa and Darth Vader, of course. You've got your main Fowler, Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Tiana Taylor, Wesley Snipes. Big cast, big cast. And Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I so I, I do like the original quite a bit. Um, and this one is it, it stays true to, you know, the similar kind of structure of the first one. And it has a really, I guess, a logical premise, you would say, which is about, you know, um, in this case, Eddie Murphy's daughters uh, potentially taking over for him as like the the prince of, was it Zamunda? I think Zamunda. Um, and, and that makes that makes total sense. I just, I think the downside for me was that like, it spent so much time 
having this like Eddie Murphy debate about like, oh, women can't run this country. Like they can't take over because like those are the rules. And then like, obviously I'm not, I'm not giving anything away, but like, obviously that's not going to be the entire stance of the movie. But like at the same time, it does take a long time for them to get over that. And I, I guess I kind of just wish like <laughs> we started like with his daughter sort of taking over and then wrote like kind of a, you know, a funny plot based around that. It was, I just felt like it wasn't very, wasn't very focused. If that's something you could say, what, what did you think? I, you know, I was somewhere on the same page. I felt like, I don't know if I necessarily thought it was totally unfocused. I just thought this was to me, the ultimate definition of a movie perfect for these platforms. It's just, it didn't necessarily need to be made, but it looks like everyone had a lot of fun making it. Yeah. You get to see all these characters, you know, a bunch of these characters that people who love the original, you get to see them brought back. They did a good job bringing them back. Some of the new characters were great. And it's such a, in a sense, a very uh, easy watch, you know? It's something I can put on while I'm just sitting in my living room doing something else. And it's fun in the background. It's totally inoffensive. It's nothing that I would go personally raving to my friends about. It's just, it's fine. It's fine. It's a, it's a fine way to spend an hour and 45 minutes. I don't have a lot of negative to say about it but I also don't have a lot of like glowing things to say about it. It's generally formulaic and you know where it's going for the most part. It's, you know, it's pretty silly, but it's, yeah, it was fun. I, I, I didn't have a bad time. So I think if you were into the original, of course you should check out the sequel. If you don't even know the original and you're not going to watch it, then I don't see the point of seeing this. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, couple laughs couple callbacks to the original it's like you said it's a it's a perfectly sort of inoffensive time yeah and i love me some tracy morgan yeah and and wesley snipes i thought was pretty good actually and it was Mm -hmm. fun to see him in a role like this i mean and and there's even a joke in the movie about how like these types of sequels shouldn't really be made because they're not going to be great and that's kind of true you know like it knows what it is and it doesn't really try to be that much more and it's you know, I, I would recommend definitely watching the original. And then, like you said, if you've done that, might as well pop this one on. Yeah, this uh, is it's yeah. a fun way to get to see everyone again. And I'm going to slide this ever so slightly on the positive side. I've seen a lot of worse long in the making sequels. So, you know what? It was it was solid for what it was. I'd say if you like coming to America, check out. The new coming to America. Uh, <laughs> well, well said. Well, <laughs> oh God. Oh, anyway, we've got we've got a fun little topic this week. No special guest, just Mike and me getting down and dirty. And the topic is top five twin films. Mike, tell us what this means. So, twin films is a. I guess a phenomenon that happens in cinema where every now and then uh, two films are released often in the same exact year with like basically the exact same premise. So what got us on this topic was on our catch up episode, 
I had done a watch of No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits, which are both from the same year. They're the exact same movie. Uh, and I had come to the conclusion that No Strings Attached was the better one. Um, so, yeah, we were looking into this. There's a whole a whole Wikipedia of a bunch of different twin films, uh, some better than others. But we uh, just made a quick post on Reddit and got some, got some feedback about people's favorite ones. Uh, so we have selected five pairs of films. We've ranked them five to one as always since it is a top five show. Um, the rankings are kind of loosely based on how similar they are. Um, and each one of us will present one movie from the pair uh, and kind of, you know, talk about the things we like about it as we always do. And then we'll let you know which one we actually think is the better movie. Does that kind of sum it up? That sums it up. That sums it up. Yeah. So to be just to make it extra clear, we're each going to, in a sense, defend one of the films doesn't mean that we think that's the better film. That's just we decided, you know, we're each going to give the pros of one of the films and then we will tell you which one we each indeed like more. A twin film showdown. Twin film showdown. We took, you know, the five most popular that we got off Reddit and here we go number five dante's peak versus volcano which both were released in 1997 they're both disaster films by the way that revolve around a volcano exploding and so anyway dante's peak stars pierce brosnan in the lead role Linda, Linda Hamilton, of course, from Terminator fame, is the co-lead. And then you have some smaller characters. No no one that's like necessarily a big, big name. But special shout out to C... I think you say it, C-Ma, because he's awesome. He also plays one of the main bad guys on 24 down the line. And I just... I It was a treat remembering that he pops up in this. But anywho, Dante's Peak, the general plot of the film is that Pierce Brosnan plays a volcanologist and some years prior, him and his girlfriend at the time were down in, I believe it was Columbia, and while a volcano was going off, they left a little bit too late. His girlfriend, Marianne, she's killed on their way out by a piece of debris. Cut to, I believe it's four years later. And here we are. And he is investigating act, you know, seismic activity near Dante's Peak, which is a small town in Washington state next to a dormant volcano. Linda Hamilton is the mayor of the town. He ends up spending some time there getting to know her. The volcano, of course, against all odds, is actually going to be going off. And shit goes absolutely fucking haywire. And it is crazy. It's just absolutely batshit. Funny enough, somehow, I thought that something that was so great about Dante's Peak is this so-called special effects, which 
I think they used a little bit less of whatever modern technology and went slightly old school with some of it. It still actually looks all right today. It, I'm not saying that it looks brand new, but it doesn't look so dated that I'm like, what am I watching? Whereas I felt some of the stuff in Volcano did. But And so here's what I'm going to say about Dante's Peak, though. You have Pierce Brosnan. The man in my eyes is a legend. Might be my favorite James Bond. I mean, we grew up in the 90s, so it's like, hey, hey. Oh, my God. Okay. Hey. All right. We can argue about it. We can argue about it. Goldeneye. See a future episode. That's just not going to happen. True. Hey, that's a little tease for an upcoming. But I love me some Pierce. I love me some Goldeneye. I just think he's the man. He's pretty fucking great in every movie he's in. He's in peak, peak Pierce Brosnan mode right now. Linda Hamilton, how can I not love her? Terminator, come on. She's she's great. I even I thought the whole supporting cast is pretty solid in this. I, I thought the kids were pretty good. And look, the story flows well. I like that it takes place in this, you know, more idyllic mountain town. And I thought it had a really good you know, flow of good amount of setup versus disaster and whatnot. I think I remembered watching both of these films. I had very fond memories from when I was a kid watching these films. I think I saw them each in theaters and Dante's peak to me. It, it holds up good. It holds up well. And it was still a super fun watch. And that's what I'll say about that. And I'm going to pass it off to Mike to talk about volcano a little bit. Okay. So Dante's Peak, I agree with you that it's fun, but since I have to defend my cause here, I never really buy, even though I don't mind his role, I never buy that Pierce Brosnan is like a geologist. I think it's a weird cast, personally. And and it takes for fucking ever for the volcano to explode. I need like half as much. I need half as much. I don't want to wait so long for a disaster in my disaster movie. But to its credit, until recently, I always thought that the grandma was like a totally unrealistic character because she just like refuses to believe that the oh volcano God, is yes, coming to kill her. Yes. And now having lived through COVID and seen what people do in the event of disasters, big, big credit to this movie because it's exactly that. It like it was so ahead of its time in that sense. It really was. It really was. Um, okay. Volcano. So this is also 1997. This is April 1997, so I think it's only a few months after. In this version, the volcano is happening basically underneath Los Angeles and sort of like erupting through the La Brea Tar Pits. Shout out La Brea Tar Pits. The only thing I saw when I was in L.A., really. Hey, that's the, that's the one thing I'll say about this movie. It literally takes place about five minutes from where I live. Yes, it does. So. Yes, it does. <laughs> They're like, Wilshire and Stanley, Wilshire and Stanley. I'm like, oh, my God, I lived on Stanley when I first moved to LA. And I kind of thought the tar pits was pretty cool. You told me it was not cool. Well, not just you. Everybody told me it was not cool. I thought it was all right. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) But, I mean, back to to Volcano, I'm like, fucking, oh, okay. We have a volcano blowing up under the tar pits. Sure. Like, come on. But we have Tommy Lee Jones. And Don Cheadle and Keith David, who will make another appearance in this episode. It's a big shout out, Keith David. <laughs> yes, he will. Uh, yes, he will. But yeah, so Volcano, uh, like you said, it, it it tries to go a bit bigger on the effects, and I'm not totally sure that it works necessarily. Mm-hmm. What 
what can I say that's good about this movie? Almost nothing. I have to be honest. It's not very good. Wow. You're not doing a good job defending it. <laughs> no, what is good about it oh, is we that failed. It, we failed. No, 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 no. So it is actually based on something they reference in the movie, but that happened in Mexico where this basically uh-huh. almost this exact thing happened where like a volcano just came up out of the earth, uh, which is kind of a, an insane idea. And that's like pretty, mm-hmm. pretty fucking scary. And the, definitely before, like when they're, everyone is surprised by the volcano in this one, they're not prepared at all. It's fucking brutal. Like it, it seems somewhat realistic in a sense because they're like literally on the scene um, for the disaster and they're trying to fight it. And, you know, there's shit flying in the air. There's lava coming down the street. People are like their cars are getting fucking eaten by the lava and it's it's wild and it's it's pretty harrowing for the first 30 45 minutes or so and mm-hmm. as compared to dante's peak like i'm saying gets right fucking into it there's a very minimal build-up and then boom there's a volcano in los angeles so i will say i typically like that and like if this movie was a little more just like a little more campy i think I'd be on board with everything, but it it doesn't quite do that. And so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it does jump into it. But like the plot makes no fucking sense. And it's not it's not campy enough for me to just be like dying laughing at the whole thing. Although I I was laughing at some of it. It takes itself way too seriously. And the things that it takes seriously are like just so it's not even just that it's cheesy. It's so over the top. Like you can't really believe that anyone wrote this. Like the, the, the racism storyline here is that like there's a volcano, a volcano down the street and the cop isn't going to help the people that live there because they're black. Then the black guy helps them and he's like, okay, I will address the volcano in your neighborhood. Yeah. His cop friend turns to him and he's like, you're a good man. You're a good man. <laughs> no, you're not. And then at the very end, there's some kid. What, what's the line? Everybody looks the same or whatever. It's just oh, yeah, yeah. horrible. It's horrible. Oh, it's bad. Also for me, Linda Hamilton beats out Anne Heche. So, Dude, and, and no offense, but Tommy Lee Jones is not very good in this either. All the performances are pretty uninspired. Don, Honestly, Don the, the most I was going to say he's the best in it. And also, I need to give a little bit of a shout out for Richard Schiff, who also is going to make another appearance, I believe, in this episode. But I've been on a big Richard Schiff train because I am deep into the West. My first ever watch of the West Wing right now. And he's oh, of nice. course one of the main characters. He plays Toby. If you guys have obviously watched West Wing. Um, but to see him in in this two years before West Wing started was a it was a treat to see him for a, a few scenes. Yeah, and I think the last thing I'll say, I mean we've already kind of said it, but there's three times in this movie where someone has absolutely no chance of saving another person and effectively <laughs> just decides to commit suicide and die with that person for absolutely no reason. Three separate times in the movie. Wait, wait, just, the, remember the throw of the guy? From the uh, <laughs> yeah. from the back of the subway. Yeah, instead of just trying to, <laughs> and then he, live, he kills Then he just melts. Then he just melts. And then at the end, it's the very end, right before they bomb it. There's one guy that's like not going to be able to get out of the way of the bomb, and the other guy is completely healthy and able to get out of the way. 
and instead of doing so, he just sits there to die with the other guy. Like it's it's oh, it's so all right. So we've already said it. I'm, I'm I've I've let it go. We both clearly think that Dante's Peak is the better film, right? It's it's no question, no question. Dante's Peak is the winner of this one. Sorry, Volcano, you just didn't do yeah. it. You really just didn't do it, and and Tommy Lee Jones is is great, just not in this. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. But I suspect our our number four pairing is going to be a, a closer debate for sure. Very interesting debate coming up. So for number four, we have the Illusionist versus the Prestige, both films about magic. And did they both come out? I know Prestige came out too. Yeah, they both were 2006. Yep. Um, do you want to start us off with The Illusionist? Sure. 2006, The Illusionist. Um, it is a movie, I guess it's based on a short story, but it's a movie where Edward Norton, um, well, plays an illusionist, short spoiler alert, uh, in Vienna. And he, you know, finds out that the Duchess is like his childhood girlfriend and he and and he and that's played by Jessica Biel. And the two of them kinda of wanna to run to well, run away together, but obviously like the you know, she's sort of engaged to uh the crown prince who's played by Rufus Sewell, who who's actually really good in this. Um and yep. he they have to kind of navigate um that and, and obviously uh you know, in both of these movies, not that you'd be surprised to learn this, but you know there's a full understanding that there's some sort of trick going on for not only the people, you know, in the, in the movie, but also you, the audience. So I I won't say what happens, but um, this one, I, you know, I thought I saw both these movies and then I realized that I'd only seen the prestige and mistaked it for the illusionist, which is exactly like the concept of this episode. So this was a first watch for me and I as well. I don't know, man. I thought the first 45 minutes was really, really good. It was really tight, and it was like, you know, setting up this almost Age of Innocence vibe. Shout out to our Martin Scorsese episode about how, like, Edward Norton is going to have to use his platform to be subversive to the crown without kind of doing it out in the open. And I think mm-hmm. that idea is really cool. Um, and and I, I was not totally happy with kind of the trick that was revealed at the end, but it was a much more sort of tender uh, love story than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I also found out it's it's kind of based on some real things that happened. Like there's some historical mm. fiction going on there, which is interesting. Um, so I, 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 it didn't totally blow me away, but I did really like it. Yeah, I... I think I had pretty similar feelings on it. it. You said it best. It's it's more of a tender sort of like more intimate love story than you would have imagined going into the film. And it's it's very interesting. Like, I believe I could be wrong, but it seems like I mean, it was definitely done on like a lower budget than like the prestige, which I think shows at some parts. But yeah, it was it's a good concept. It's executed pretty well. I'm with you. I was very intrigued for the first half. I still thought the second half was good. It just 
it's a it's a more intimate story than I think I was expecting going into it. You know what the, the problem for me in the second half was I felt like the mechanics were a little bit clunky. Like it felt mm-hmm. like, you know, in the beginning it was like, oh, well, they know what's going on between the illusionist and the duchess. So they shut them down because they have power. Uh, but then he's like back on stage and they don't really explain how suddenly like the king doesn't have the power anymore. And then, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's a similar vibe with the police. Like it's, it, it doesn't, you don't get the full effect of it because it's not totally clear how everything is going to work. It's, I, I think that's, yeah, you're pretty spot on. I, I have very similar feelings about the movie. Um, I'll bring us over to the prestige. The so the prestige, Christopher Nolan film. If you, I don't know if we've said this on the pod before, but I am a big Christopher Nolan fan. Mike is not. Um, so there's a little divide right there. But anyway, the prestige, it's based on a 1995 novel of the same name. Anyways, the the general plot is it's about two magicians. Robert Angier and Alfred Borden. Uh, Angier is played by um, by Hugh Jackman, and Alfred Borden is played by Christian Bale. It's incredible cast. They also have Michael Caine, who's of course a Christopher Nolan mainstays in most of his films. Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall, uh, David Bowie. Piper Parabo, Andy Serkis. It's it's a really, really, really solid cast. Um, but the the general plot is these two magicians, they're rivals, and they, starting from an early time where they were learning together a bit under Michael Caine, they then end up having this sort of competitive nature where they're always trying to like one-up the other, and I mean, it starts pretty much over. Hugh Jackman is married to Piper Parabo, and based on something Christian Bale may or may not have done, she drowns, and this starts this very toxic relationship between the two guys. But it's just, for me, this film is incredible. It's a very layered film. It's really, really good performances by both the leads and i mean christian bale is one of my favorite all-time actors he kills it in this hugh jackman does a great job as well and i mean similar to the illusionist there are both tricks being played on the literal audience within the film and then us as the audience as viewers and this one i mean there are they pull the rug under you from under you a few times in here there are some big twists And I think for Nolan, even as a big fan, this is one of his, I don't know if smaller films is the right way to put it, but I guess it would, I guess it could be the right way to put it. He's got these massive, massive movies, like obviously the Dark Knight trilogy and, you know, stuff like Interstellar and and Inception. And it's, this is smaller in a sense and and a bit more intimate for him at least and i think he does a really good job at giving us an insight into this world into these characters and i think it's a great movie 
So before I say what I think about it, I will also add that most people now are saying that this movie is like a modern masterpiece. The reviews at the time were much more middle of the road, but now a lot of people think it's a great, great film. Uh, and I'm I'm definitely more on the middle of the road part of it. I think you know the rivalry and like the obsession of it all is it's an interesting like sort of character study. In that way, I just think with about forty minutes to go, it get lo- it gets lost and kind of spins out of control. And like the sort of reveal in this one is at least for me like it's not it's not satisfying at all. And it, it kind of takes all the magic out of the film oh, that the illusionist so still bad. has. It does have a much better cast. Um, there is some better, no, much better character development within the first half. But like where it goes is just, it works as a great film about their rivalry without, you know, trying to make this all happen in a not very magical way at the end. I, I just don't really need all that, to be honest. Well, what I'm a little surprised by. Well, certain aspects of it I can see because I know you don't like certain mystical elements, but the actual big reveal doesn't have anything to do with anything like that, which is interesting. But yeah, dude, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm not surprised. I feel like any movie with Nolan's name on it, you're inclined to not love. Just, I feel like... I wish you never knew that he did it because I feel like this is the least Nolan Nolan film, if that makes sense. So uh, that's why I mentioned what I mentioned, because I would encourage people to go back on like Metacritic and read the reviews at the time, which were much more closer to what I'm saying, that it's it's not not a great film overall. and It just doesn't deliver that much because I again, I oh. did think that this was the illusionist. So I didn't necessarily have the opinion based on Christopher Nolan only, but like. I just I wish I could say I just don't want to say what happens in the end, but it's it's not satisfying at all. And it, it's it's not that it's mystical, it's that it's not mystical at all, which is what makes it so unsatisfying. And the film tells you somewhere in the middle that knowing the end of the trick is like knowing how to do it, so to say, is, is ruins the trick over. It ruins it. And it, it ruins it ruins the movie too. Like I just wish it ended before any of that had to happen. It just doesn't it's just not nearly as satisfying as it could be, I think. Maybe that's the message, though. Maybe it's a, t- a cautionary tale that be careful what you ask for because you don't want the fucking... You don't want to know how we did the trick because it is not satisfying. But just end it before I find out and you have a better film. <laughs> that's, that's I fucking love it. I think it's fucking phenomenal. I think it's phenomenal. Which, which is your better film? And I will tell you that I have rated both the illusionist and the prestige three out of five stars. Wow. And I would, if I had to choose, I would say the illusionist because it's just, Oh, it's shorter, but it's also just an easier watch, uh, compared to the prestige, but I did rate them the same. Oh, so I'll, I'll, you've I'll lost say. your goddamn mind. You've lost your goddamn mind. He's lost his mind. People Go back and tell read us the what reviews. you think. Other people agree with tell me. us what you think. I will say one thing. I do want to give one shout out to the illusionist. The, the When I used to work in the film industry, I worked at a company called Freestyle Releasing. And they used to be, they either used to be Bobby Ari films or were very much connected with it. But 
either way, they they released this movie, The Illusionist, and it was it, one of their biggest movies as a company. So I've got some pride towards The Illusionist. Shout, shout out Mark Bordy and Susan Jackson. May Susan rest in peace. But uh, yeah, so I do have a little bit of a personal connection to The Illusionist. But with that said, The Prestige is better. Go watch The Prestige. For the record, I love Memento, and I also like like Dunkirk. So I don't just hate all Christopher Nolan films. I admit that I'm not a huge fan of his. I admit that, but I'm willing to hilariously, see the film design. Hilariously, Dunkirk is like my least favorite, but I still like it. I like every single oh Nolan film. Okay. Let's move on to number three. Uh, we could talk about Christopher yeah. Nolan all day. Yeah, all day. All right. Number three, we have coming at you from, I believe it's 1998. Is that correct? Let's see. Ed TV was yes, 90, it is. March 99. Okay. So we have The Truman Show versus Ed TV. Truman Show came out in 98, Ed TV 99, within a year of each other, very close. And okay, I'll start us off with Truman Show since it came earlier. Truman Show, most people know this movie. Jim Carrey. Arguably, I'd say one of his most famous films, but it's Jim Carrey in the title role. We've got Laura Linney. We've got Ed Harris, Noah Emmerich, Natasha McElhone, um, Paul Giamatti, of course. And so (sighs) such an interesting movie. It's so both of these movies are about at that time, the budding phenomenon of reality TV. And this one takes things to a very, almost an existential level with some of the questions that it ends up asking us. But it's it all focuses on Truman Burbank, who is just, you know, this, this cheerful guy who, since he was literally born... He has been living inside the biggest, we'll call it a fake town, ever constructed. It's over, funny enough that his last name is Burbank. It's over in like sort of the Burbank area of Los Angeles. And this massive dome has been constructed with this this fictional town inside of it where Truman lives. And... He, I, you know, has always believed sort of this was the world. He hasn't really gone anywhere else. He has this crippling fear of water. And of course, it's, it's, it's an, you know, it's surrounded by water. It's a little island. It's, uh, or is it an island? Is it an actual island? I think there is like a causeway or a road out of there somehow, but it is like mostly water. Yeah, it's mostly water surrounded. And there was pretty much his father died in the water when he was younger. He has terrible memory of this. But again, all of this has been constructed. None of it's real, but he doesn't know this. There's cameras everywhere. And it's this crazy, like, state-of-the-art reality TV show that he is unknowingly the star of. And it was created by Ed Harris, who goes by Kristoff. And it's just so insane. Like, Everyone else in the town are all actors that come in and out. And so the movie anyway is about Truman slowly but surely finally figuring out what is really going on here 
that he is indeed in a reality TV show and not the real world. And man, this this movie to this day, I don't think there's another movie that really tackles this in such a brilliant way. It's it's got to be to me one of Jim Carrey's absolute best, one of his best performances. Um, such a solid script, such a solid execution of an ambitious idea, especially at the time. And it uh, it really makes I'll never forget the first time I saw it. It really makes you think just about life in general. I mean, part of you thinks. What if I'm in, you know, what if I'm in the Truman Show? What if we're all living in this and people are, you know, there's some motherfucking aliens or some other people just looking in on us and what we're doing but it's it's a crazy movie. It's really, really good. The ending is incredible, I think. I think it's one of the better movie endings. And of course, I have to, you know, some of, some of Jim Carrey's lines are just ridiculous. Like every time he goes up to the newspaper guy and he's like, yep, that's the whole kit and caboodle. Yep, that's the whole ball of yarn. And how could we not mention of course, the famous, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And it's just like, it's too good. It's too good. Jim Carrey fucking crushes Truman Show. Tell me why TV is good, Mike. Okay, so I admit that Truman Show is, is quite a good movie. I'm a little bit, little bit less high on it than maybe the consensus, but it's definitely good. Um, and then there's Truman Show. I mean, TV, which is... Uh, See, there's just there's just Truman Show, uh, <laughs> and EdTV. So EdTV and Truman Show were were totally like aware of each other when they were being made, but EdTV was being made much more as a comedy. So they kind of just said, "Fuck it, it's a different movie." Um, the first thing it has going for it is kind of a a pretty sweet cast: Matthew McConaughey, Jenna Elfman, Woody Harrelson, Ellen DeGeneres, Martin Landau, Rob Reiner, brief Dennis Hopper. Kind of brief Elizabeth Hurley. Pretty solid fucking cast. Part of maybe what contributed to an absolutely insane $80 million budget, which doesn't make any sense for filming a movie about a reality TV show. But anyway, what this one does, the same idea, except that Matthew McConaughey is volunteering uh, to be on a reality TV show. Uh, It's much more like real world-esque in that sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And what this movie does that Truman Show doesn't do is... It shows much more of people's enthusiasm when they don't think that it's scripted, unlike everything in in Truman's life, which is scripted. And also, it shows that everybody around Matthew McConaughey's life wants to be on the show. They all like no like no one thinks like oh this is terrible invasion of privacy. All the people around him are trying to get on camera. Um, and be part of the celebrity that he's become for being mm-hmm. on reality TV. And those two things are, I think, closer to where we are. Um, so I think TV deserves some credit in terms of predicting that. Um, the problem with TV is that like, once it really establishes its idea, it doesn't really go anywhere after that. So it, it's it's kind of like what we said about coming to America. It's a, It's totally fine, and it's a... You know, very inoffensive film in that sense, but it never really develops a strong plot that leaves you with the same same sense of satisfaction that you get from Truman Show. And as a big 
as a big simulation theory guy, I mean, Truman Show, it gets points for that, for sure. Hey, I thought you were defending TV here. Well, I, I switched. I switched and gave you some credit for Truman Show. But TV, hey, I love it. I love to it. To be honest, at TV, it's better than I remembered. And I think it's it's a lot of people think that it's like a total piece of shit, and it isn't. It isn't. I would actually argue that EdTV is way better than I remembered. It's it's it does have a very it's definitely has a good commentary on celebrity in general. Yeah. And like you said, it's closer to where we are today. Also McConaughey. McConaughey until Tropic Thunder, which I believe was two thousand eight. But until Tropic Thunder, McConaughey was just the rom-com guy. And I'm not, this is a rom-com in a sense, but it's also a little bit more. And McConaughey does a great job in this. Obviously, he's teamed up with Woody all the way back here. They go on to do one of the better seasons of television ever with the that first season of True Detective. There's some awesome stuff about this movie. It's a very charming film. It's a it's very fun to watch. No, it's it's not as it doesn't make you think nearly as much as Truman Show does. And that's where it, it gets docked points for me. But I could not believe just just how enjoyable this movie was. Like, I absolutely recommend both and think they're both fantastic. Uh, but for me, Truman Show is is un- unquestionably the better film. Uh, but I very much enjoy both of them. Yeah, I think we agree on this one. Truman Show is better, but the gap is a lot smaller than people would have you believe. Yes, absolutely. And some would say there were there were hints of the reconnaissance in this one with 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 McConaughey. The man is the man is wonderful. He really is. Love that guy. Uh, all right, so should we go to our number two pairing? Let's get to number two. So we've got Deep Impact versus Armageddon. There were so many votes for this one on Reddit. Yeah, so many. This is a very popular one. It's one of the sort of most exemplary, probably because Armageddon is such a still a pretty famous uh, film. I think we talked about it right on our movies that make you cry episode. Yes, I had it on my list for the end of the uh, the end of the film, of course, with the scene with Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis, and then. Bruce Willis with Liv Tyler, of course, right after. And and I won't, uh, some of what I say will definitely be applied to Armageddon. So I'm not going to say this is exclusive to Deep Impact, but uh, okay. So first the plot of both of them is that there's like a meteor asteroid. I want to say in Deep Impact, maybe it's a comet. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Some space thing is coming to Earth to kill everybody. We know I don't like space. I don't really care. I know. Uh, They're coming to Earth. It's going to, it's going to, be global extinction exactly. in each film. Exactly. And, and they both came out in 1998 for the record. And they are extremely, extremely similar, like down to exactly what they do to try to thwart the comet thing, you know, and exactly what happens at the end, which you probably already know, but I won't say. So they're they're really very, very similar films. And Deep Impact is, I think it's very unfairly maligned. Uh, I watched it over Christmas, actually, uh, with my wife, and we were both just like, this movie's fucking, it's, <laughs> I forgot how wild it is. Like, it just goes for it. You know, there's, it goes for there's it. There's a crazy child wedding, you know, in the very, very beginning, 
Elijah Wood and his like professor see the comet coming and try to like the warn the people of Earth, and then the professor just gets dies in a car crash and they never find it's so outrageous it's so insane and then yeah i mean where they go uh in terms of like you know what's going to happen on earth when when the comet comes and it's this movie it's super entertaining and it just you know we talk about all the time but i will never fault the movie that just fucking goes for it this one fucking goes for it which is not to say that armageddon doesn't I'd say they both go for it, but no, I had never seen Deep Impact crazily enough, and I I love this whole sort of disaster, sci-fi, all this stuff. I love it. Somehow I hadn't seen it. I'd always meant to, and I mean, it's got a fucking big cast, big cast, and like you said, they go for it. I mean, dude, the the whole thing about the the tunnels under ground that they're gonna put a certain amount of people in i mean it's dude and it, it goes it goes it's so wild like because it's what's in, what's really interesting is so morgan morgan freeman's the president in this one and he is like pretty upfront about what's going on and just like how sort of nonchalant not that he's not serious about it but like how uh there's such little build-up to how the film introduces stuff so like Mm-hmm. They try to divert the comment and they can't. And he's just like, all right, we tried, we failed, but I have to tell you, we have these underground tunnels and we're going to be moving a million people and a million people only into those tunnels on August, whatever. And you're just like, <laughs> holy shit. That like that's what we're doing. <laughs> Peace. It's wild. Uh, it's crazy. And like, uh, I will say I have to just shout this out because both, movies have just outrageously stacked casts so we'll start obviously around deep impact so gotta say you've got robert duvall you've got morgan freeman tia leone elijah wood you've got lily sobieski john favreau james cromwell and another appearance by my main man richard schiff as well as some other people along the way but it's 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 a pretty big cast is it not it it is, and I, did you say Vanessa Redgrave? I don't think so, right? It's, oh, I forgot to. Yes, Vanessa it, Redgrave, of course. And it was it was a big movie. I mean, it it did three hundred fifty million at the box office, so it was mm-hmm. big. Even though it's not quite remembered as much, I would say as Armageddon, it was still a huge movie. Speaking of Armageddon, another big cast. Let's just roll through this. You've got Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Billy Bob Thornton. Liv Tyler, Will Patton, Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan, the other appearance of Keith David. You've got Peter Stormare, who's great in a lot of things. If you don't know him, you know, he plays the crazy Russian usually. William Fitchner, if you know him, awesome as well in a few different things. It's just... And Grace Zabriskie, shout out Twin Peaks, but crazy cast, massive. Michael Bay film, so you know a lot of shit gets blown up. But you know, for Michael Bay, who I have no problem with, by the way, some people don't like him. I like I like a decent amount of Michael Bay movies. Mike and I obviously both are fucking obsessed with Bad Boys too. But I think this is one of his other better movies. Like it's a massive blockbuster. It doesn't try to be anything else. It has a massive cast. 
It has, this, again, the same plot as Deep Impact, both ridiculous plots. This one's just, it's so much fun. Like, and you they develop all the characters. You get to know all these guys. They've It's so many fun personalities. Great lines that, to me at least, don't, it feels like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's, it's fun. The actual, of course, going up to, to the, the asteroid is absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that they have to get, uh, you know, astronaut ready in like a, in like 12 days is fucking absurd. But, but again, there's a big popcorn movie. Who cares? And, and they spend like one night at the strip club. Yes. Steve Buscemi's outrageous. Or with their family. Um, yes. yes. It's, and then, of course, everything that happens up in space, ridiculous. A couple of the effects don't don't age as well as maybe they could have, but it's fine. And the ending is, I mean, it's iconic. I, I think it's one of the, for me, from childhood, one of the most iconic endings with, I'm ruining it right now. I mean, it's fucking, we're 25 years removed. So, yeah. but it, Bruce Willis, who he's the main character, he's the leader of the team you know, the, the team that goes up there to do this. Ben Affleck is dating Liv Tyler, who is Bruce Willis's daughter in the film. And pretty much someone has to stay behind to detonate the, the nuclear bomb manually that needs to be detonated to blow up this asteroid and have it miss Earth, split into pieces and miss Earth. So Ben Affleck draws the shortest straw. He's going to have to go. Bruce Willis pulls like a thing off of his out of his astronaut suit, pushes him back into like the little elevator back up to the ship and tells him, you know, he's got to he's he's going to take this one and he's got to take care of, you know, his daughter for him. He, You know, he always looked at him like a son, blah, blah, blah. Waterworks, not a fucking dry eye in the theater. And then, of course, he has to say goodbye to his daughter, who he had promised he was coming home before he took off. And it's again, it's just it makes me cry even more. It's just incredible. Incredible. It's to me like the definition of a great summer blockbuster. It's it's big. It's stupid at times. It's fun. And it has Aerosmith's I don't want to miss a thing. How could I not love that? And we should say that basically Deep Impact is the exact same thing. The plan is to nuke the asteroid and someone has to sacrifice themselves to do that. It's it's the exact same plot device. Exactly. I think they both honestly executed pretty solidly. For me, I just think Armageddon's a better movie. But I think it's not like I'm not gonna go and say it's outrageously far apart. I I for me it's an easy choice, but deep impact solid too. I'm going Armageddon, though. I think it's razor close, but it's deep impact. And I would say, like, for the first hour or so, I think Armageddon's better. I really like the development of all the roughneck characters. And there's just, like you said, there's just so many great characters and so many great character actors. You know, with Buscemi. Yes. Fucking Michael Clark Duncan's incredible. Incredible. Um, and that part is that part is all great. It kind of loses me in the the next hour because I don't have any fucking idea what's going on. It's just so <laughs> so insane. You have no clue what's happening. And the final bit, 
that pushes me to deep impact is that mm-hmm. spoiler alert fast forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this is that in deep impact you actually get the impact they do nuke the comet but they only get one piece of it and the other piece still hits earth and causes a disaster so you get True. that disaster movie satisfaction but it's razor close but it's deep impact. that's that's true. And and you know what? I'll give you this, Mike. I also agree that the best part of Armageddon by far is the first hour. It's so much fun getting to learn everything about these guys and have them get ready. The space part's fun. I mean, I love space, but like it's not nearly as fun as the first hour of the film. And I also do love what you brought up about Deep Impact, that we actually get the impact. We get, you know, some of the main characters die in Deep Impact as well. And um it's it's they're both great disaster type end of world films but yeah Yeah. we're gonna be split on this one i'll go armageddon mike's going deep impact and that's gonna bring us to number one which (laughs) to me there's just there's no other matchup that it is so outrageous that this plot was the plot to two films that came out in the in the same year it just does not make sense and that of course is olympus has fallen and white house down which both came out in 2013 come on i mean i mean it's outrageous two movies movies and both movies are outrageously similar and both movies by themselves are completely outrageous it just is off the charts. It's off the charts. Do you want to take us away with Olympus Has Fallen to start? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, the plot of both movies is that some form of terrorists have taken over the White House. They have successfully fought a battle, made their way inside, and taken over, holding the president hostage and basically threatening to destroy Earth. Olympus Incredible. Has Fallen is directed by Antoine Fuqua and stars Gerard Butler as the, uh, both films have the same device, but as the, in this case, former secret service guy who is protecting the president, who in this movie is Aaron Eckhart. Uh, But it also has Morgan Freeman. Who also at one point has to be the president, doesn't he? Uh, Morgan Freeman does. Yeah. Yeah. Deep impact as well. Uh, Also Cole Hauser is in it. Also Ashley Judd is in it for like two minutes. Um, Dylan McDermott. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, and I will say for both of these movies. So, b- before I defend this one, I'll, I'll say that this applies to both. I don't really understand either of these movies because the plot is like, like when you give the little elevator pitch, you're like, yeah, I fucking want to see that. But then when you see it, like they they make the odds so uneven like they hamstring the whole u.s government and military so much it reminds me of like um like in space jam where where like the evil guy is talking about how he's gonna enslave michael jordan and make kids play basketball against them and the kids have a staircase and michael jordan's like changed to the ground like they dismantle the u.s military so much that it's not really a battle at all and so that part of it's like not very fun and then the idea that like they're holding the president hostage 
and they're going to kill the entire world. And then the people are like struggling. They're like, oh, we don't know what to do. It's like, well, obviously you have to try and take these people out. You can't just let the entire world be destroyed. Like the whole thing doesn't make any sense. And that goes for both movies. But it's so fun. (sighs) Maybe. But let me say, for this one, it's definitely, I would say, the, the well, we'll let people pick, obviously. But for this one, it's much grittier. It's very, it's much more Antoine Fuqua. There's a lot of people that get fucking shot in the head. Ashley Judd. It's R-rated but, versus yeah. PG-13. Yeah. Ashley Judd dies, like, very, very early on, which kind of signals, like, hey, people are going to fucking die in this movie and nobody's safe. So it's it's a much grittier, somewhat realistic version of, you know, what this might look like, kind of a real-life hostage situation. And I think that movies are so, so, so similar. It's hard to even speak about one or the other. But that's what uh, separates this one, I would say. How were they not aware that these movies were both being made with essentially the same script? It's just insane. But... Okay, I'll say about White House Down. So yeah, Olympus Has Fallen, it's rated R. White House Down, PG-13. That's the biggest difference. Olympus Has Fallen, like Mike said, is super gritty. It's, you know, over-the-top violence in the way that I feel like Mike and I, and when we had Ian on, Dr. Action, of course, sort of the way that we talk about over-the-top action. White House Down is more your summer blockbuster type version of it where it stars it has Channing Tatum he's he's the Gerard Butler character in this except he's a guy that wants to be a part of the secret service you know for the president but he sort of just he's a little bit of a screw up and he has a little bit of a you know sort of a he's a bit of a smart ass and anyways he hasn't gotten there but he's you know he's trying to raise his girl and Jamie Foxx plays the president We've got Maggie Gyllenhaal in here, Richard Jenkins, Jason Clark, James Woods. So it's a solid cast. Um, but it, yeah, it's super fun. I mean, it's, a, it's, the plot is almost the exact same, but it's different in the way it handles itself because of the PG-13 rating. So it's like Channing Tatum, his his character's name is John Cale on this, but I think, you know, he does a fucking great job. He ha- he does his thing where he works his charm in a lot of movies, and it, it works wonders in this one. He was really good for this. I think Jamie Foxx does a great job as president. Um, and I, I think Joey King, who plays Emily, uh, Channing Tatum's daughter in the film, I think she does a great job as well. So I, th- I think everyone does a pretty good job. And a, and a special shout-out to the tour leader at the White House, who's hilarious, and there's, of course, a little nod to Independence Day, which is funny because Roland Emmerich, who directed that, directed this. But yeah, they're both solid. They're both really, to me at least, I think both are incredibly fun movies to watch. And for me, Olympus Has Fallen is definitely the better movie. That is my type of movie through and through. Sort of an over-the-top, gritty action film. And... I actually had memories of not necessarily loving it, but like liking it. And I loved it after this watch. So I'm definitely on the Olympus has fallen train, but I like both quite a bit. Uh, And the only thing we should, I should have mentioned also is that the budget for Olympus is 70 million. 
and for yours white hats down is 150 so that also is like part of this feel you're talking about with blockbuster like there's a lot more like crazy explosions and effects uh and the olympus is as we said it's just it's much more kind of in your face and gritty um mm-hmm. people getting shot and and i will i will say that i agree with you that olympus is the better one uh, but I think they're both pretty bad. So I, that's that's maybe wow. say what you will. But like, I, if you can look past a lot of stuff, I think you will like them. But like I said, I was just, yeah, I just couldn't get into it when it wasn't like even close to a sort of fair fight. Like, I just wish it was a little bit more even odds. Okay. I just think maybe it's Jerry Butts. Jerry Butts is just running around fucking killing everyone. And... He just killed. I mean, this is it's over the top action heaven. He just takes out like hundreds of guys by himself. Yeah, yes, he does. Incredible. Yes, he does. It's incredible. We should say that both movies are diehard. I mean, they're both pretty clearly diehard. Which yes, yes. Big shout out. And Bruce Willis, who's in Armageddon. But needless to say, we both choose Olympus has fallen. Gerard Butler, we love you. And oh man. Good old Gerard. I finally watched Law Abiding Citizen, by the, by the oh, way. Oh, shit. What did you think about Law Abiding Citizen? It was absolutely batshit bananas, just as our dear friend Dr. Action would say to us. Dude, um, and how, how crazy is it what I said uh, that they literally just changed roles? Jamie Foxx and Gerard. Oh, my Bob. God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's so it doesn't just. Oh my god! And some of, so many of the death scenes are just so outrageous. The cell phone, the it's holy steak. fuck! How, br- dude? How brutal was the steak? It's 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 crazy. He's not fucking around, Jay. But crazy movie, crazy movie. We're referencing our action, our over the top action films episode where Ian boldly made his number five the collective Gerard Butler action movies, which. Of course, Olympus has fallen as a part of, so it's very relevant to this podcast. But uh, anyways, that's the top five twin films. So just to dial them back for you guys, we started with Dante's Peak versus Volcano, which Dante's Peak won on both of our accord. Then it was The Illusionist versus The Prestige, where Mike chose The Illusionist as his better film. I chose The Prestige. Then it was The Truman Show versus Ed TV. We both decided Truman Show is better. Number two is Armageddon versus Deep Impact. I chose Armageddon. Mike chose Deep Impact. Number one, Olympus Has Fallen versus White House Down. Gerard Butler and Olympus Has Fallen took the crown from both Mike and myself. And I would definitely encourage people to watch these and do this. The twin films, I think, is a really fun concept. There's Go to the Wikipedia. There's literally hundreds of examples and in some years, there's even three and four movies that are exactly the same. Which is insane. Bonkers, but it's really fun to watch them, you know, make a double feature out of it and see what you guys think. Yeah, definitely try it out. Check out check out the Wikipedia page and do this yourself. And yeah, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. If you would like to reach out to us, send us an email, you know, message us on Instagram, do whatever you want to do. You can email us at topfivesanddeepdives at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at topfivesanddeepdives. And you can find us on Twitter at topdives. 
and we are going to be on TikTok very soon at Top Fives and Deep Dives. You can check it out if you want. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Top Fives and Deep Dives with Tata PTM. 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 My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese, followed by Quentin Tarantonius. Jerry Butts is just running around fucking killing everyone.